0: Welcome in to the Bear Down Podcast. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdal. You can listen to our show weeknights, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Today on the Bear Down Podcast, we talk football, the NFL draft with Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. He's one of the very best in the business, breaking down the NFL draft. And so we started the conversation talking about Ryan Poles, the new GM for the Chicago Bears, and the path for the Bears heading into the NFL draft.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at it with polls, I, he's a guy that has an offensive line background, right? I think that's the most important thing to know. And you're looking at the infrastructure of the Bears team right now. Uh, they they need help in the trenches. They really need a foundation. Uh, obviously not on the defensive line, even after trading Khalil Mack. They still have some pieces there. But uh, they need an offensive line in front of Justin Fields where it, they can – you know give him a shot, and they need, they need a lot on offense for Justin Fields, but I think when you look at polls, he comes from a successful organization, he understands how to quickly turn over an offensive line. He obviously has a bigger hand in a lot of different areas, but to get you know go in and build a modern offense with weapons that's not just one deep with a guy like Mooney, but have a, a you know an array of weapons to throw to and but most importantly, get that offensive line in place that uh, can can keep your quarterback upright and give him a shot to actually develop over these next couple of years
2: and what do you think of how they've set themselves up for this draft you know trading away Khalil Mack acquiring more picks not really spending any money any big money in free agency and just kind of saving all that money but we assume for for next year maybe a Roquan Smith deal here before the season starts but what do you make of them of their the way they've structured themselves heading into this draft
1: Yeah, it feels like it's going to be a little bit of a slow build, right? And I think when you're a new GM, you're afforded that luxury. Nobody's going to come in and be too tough on you, you know, if your first year goes wrong. Now, the only problem I have with that is I do wonder if it's, you know, you're in a situation where can Justin Fields get, you know, battered in a sense? Can he take those kinds of hits? Going to be playing with not a lot of help around him? And then you go, okay, well, now we all – we went all in on year three, and now we'll turn it around. You don't want to mess with the guy's development too much, especially a quarterback that did deal with injuries his rookie season and dealt with, uh, most importantly, poor development from a coaching staff. So I, I am curious. The draft is important for them, and you're right. They do have assets to... Uh, you know, even be a little bit creative there. When you're picking at 39 and now 48 from the Chargers, you can package those picks and go up and get a premium player. Or you could sit there, pick at 39, and then you could even use 48 and a collection of other picks to come back up into uh, the top 40 again, where you walk out with an offensive lineman and maybe a wide receiver. Now, I will caution. I think that they are going to be very trenches heavy in this draft. I don't know if they're going to be early on the wide receivers. You might have to wait a little bit. For that, maybe round three or beyond. So I think when you look at it, there's definitely a patient play. Uh, they want to come in, maybe build a, a run-heavy offense this year. And then you're, con- And you're of course, like all new GMs, you're trying to wipe the slate. right? You're trying to clean the slate of the previous GM of moves that you don't want to have you tied down for too long. And sometimes you inherit contracts that you have no choice. You have to wait it out for a year. Obviously, moving Khalil Mack, a lot of money there. Uh, is one that they they were you know more than happy to get out of and kind of start clean on that side as well. So I think it's good. you're going to have to be patient. That's how it goes with new GMs. They they all get at least two to three years to do it right. But this draft, it's you know it's kind of the year where there it's deep on day two and on day two and specifically round three. There's going to be a lot of talent that falls. It's not a draft that I think has an overwhelming amount of talent in the first round. So that's why they were content with getting that extra second rounder. They feel like they can get at least two starters. impact starters early
0: so Connor when you look at the Bears if they build through uh, the offensive line and they use that 39th pick to take someone on the offensive line on your board who do you see that's available for the Bears to possibly take at that position
1: I think the most exciting one is Tyler Smith now I do think he ends up going earlier than this and that's more recent just because teams are, are really high on what he can become he's a 20 year old prospect he's Uh, a mammoth, you know, wide as a door frame. He's got athleticism. He's a mauler, real nasty in the run game. He's still figuring out how to use his hands and pass protection and and be a more cleaner player there to eliminate some of the penalties that plagued him this year. But I think if he's somebody that fell out of the first round and starts to fall to 39, uh, that's a no-brainer to me because he has the feet to play left tackle long-term. He could slide over because he has that bully style to play on the right side. And if you want, you could even play him at guard, I think, year one, and kind of simplify things for him in pass protection as well. So that would be the player that I would give an A-plus to the Bears for because I think the talent fits that need, and I like the player a lot, and I like the fit for the player. But then, you know, we know how this goes, guys. The offensive linemen go early. I You know, a couple months ago I would have said maybe Trevor Penning's there. He's not going to be there anymore. Kenneth Bernard, Raymond, fall. Uh, that's, that's another guy that's in play. You know, the only thing that concerns me with Raymond He's, he's another developmental tackle. Unlike Tyler Smith, who's 20, Raymond's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. So I think when you look at it, that's, that's kind of the range they're picking in, uh, where they're going to have to, you know, they're, you're not bargain shopping, but you're going to have to deal with some warts and development. But some of these guys have sky-high potential that make a lot of sense, and, and that's not even getting into the interior offensive line class, which might suit better uh, their pick at 48 or even in the third round.
2: You mentioned wide receiver possibly at that third round after they deal with some of those players in the trenches. We know the wide receiver class is deep. Is it that deep? Because here in Chicago, we kind of know that Darnell Mooney's like
0: a really good two, like a, a, a decent two. But eh, not some a, people are trying to talk themselves into a Mooney as a number one. Though. No, he's not. He's not. Connor, so, we've heard that this <laughs> offseason. Some you, people are trying to, to make that into something. So you need to help Justin Fields. Is
2: getting a wide receiver in the third round helping Justin Fields?
1: Yeah, that's the issue, right guys? You have to decide, you know, and there are guys that really explode after being second or third round picks at wide receiver at the NFL, because obviously quarterback play in the college level is very limited. Sometimes the offenses are limited. Sometimes the targets are limited. And I think, you know, that's what everybody sees in George Pickens right now, right? The guy and he would be somebody they would have to take at 39. If he, if he even made it to uh, that selection He's somebody with limited college production, but everybody looks at the size and the speed and coming out of Georgia and being a big recruit uh, and the vertical ability that, that he's somebody that can explode like that. But if you're waiting till the third round, you're getting into a different kind of category, right? You're looking more at Khalil Shakur, um, you know, a bull Melton, Danny Gray, who I think they would stay away from because it would kind of replicate what they have in Mooney. Uh, he's a track guy, an incredible speedster from SMU. The, the one that I really like for the Bears that will not cost them a first or a second-round pick, and I don't even know if it truly will cost them a third-rounder, I can't gauge where the league values him, but is Eric Izukanma from Texas Tech. He, he's just kind of that you know jump ball player that they thought they were getting in Allen Robinson. I'm not saying he's on Allen Robinson's level, but he's somebody that went through multiple quarterbacks during his time at Texas Tech. Uh, the pass play was just miserable. The targets were not pretty when he got them. But he can win the ball above the rim. He's a big-bodied guy. He's got enough speed. So I think Izu Kanma would be my bargain guy if you're looking for the traditional big-bodied uh, kind of bully ball player later on in this draft.
0: When we look at guys like Dotson or maybe Sky Moore, uh, are, are those individuals going to be off the board by the, by the time the Bears are picking for their second pick in the second round?
1: I think so. I think you'd have to take one at 39, and it's a matter of which one's there. I think Sky Moore would be there, and he, he's a really good player. Uh, you know, receivers fall every year. I, I, You know, I don't want to play the game of no one's going to be there, no one's going to be there over and over again. But we are at the point where this is, you know, the draft now when everybody's looking at these deals being signed at the wide receiver position, that GMs would rather take one even when they don't need one every year because then they potentially have insurance down the line. And, you know, you look at that Bears pick after 39, right? You have the Colts at 42, they want a wide receiver. If Atlanta doesn't go wide receiver in the top 10, they have to take one at 43. The Browns at 44, I think they're going to take a wide receiver. I mean, it's really just insane how many teams in that short stretch from 39 to 48 are almost locks to take wide receivers, which makes it fascinating. Do they come back up, uh, or do they take the wide receiver at 39 and roll the dice on the offensive line? Once again, that strategy would surprise me, but I think it's one when you walk through it like we just did. It, it does make a little bit of sense.
2: I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's a lot of holes on this team, so we're just going to keep going through (laughs) positions here. Uh, (laughs) A a few mock drafts have had the Bears picking uh, a corner, uh, specifically Kyrie Elam out of Florida. What do you know about him, and is there depth at the corner position for the Bears to take someone at around 48 or maybe in the third round?
1: I don't love it this year, to be honest with you, and it's one of those things where I got through more and more of the class. I started to like it less than I thought I originally would. Now, with Kyrie Elam, I do like him. I He's a press man corner. Uh, I do think he has really good eyes playing off you know, off coverage, playing zone. I think he can plant and drive. The problem with him, is he just can't tackle at all. And, and I know people look at that with corners, and some people roll their eyes, and some people do care uh, because it's football. So uh, for me, it matters because this league is so, you know, starting to be dedicated towards wide zone schemes that are putting corners in situations where they have to tackle or come down in the alley and take on screens. And he just he can't come to balance right now. Uh, he's just not a good tackler, but he's so physical at the line of scrimmage, it's kind of an odd situation that you're, you're shocked that he's a bad tackler with how physical he plays in coverage. So I like Kyrie Alum. The name of the game, if you're a corner, is if you can cover, you're going to go early, and, and he can cover. His 2020 tape was up there with any corner in this class. 2021, bit of a roller coaster year for Florida. It was not as pretty. Uh, But he's right in that class of the second tier of corners. And when you get through Sauce Gardner, Stingley, and Trent McDuffie, that you have Kyler Gordon from Washington, Andrew Booth from Clemson, uh, Roger McCreary from Auburn, and, of course, Elam from Florida, they're all going to go in the top 70 picks.
0: Well, you, you say he's not a good tackler. That, that immediately uh, is a red flag for us because we've got someone in the defensive backfield who is a terrible tackler, and that's Eddie Jackson. So we, we don't need to add another player there to, uh, to add to the secondary of, of guys who can't tackle and it's a conversation we've talked about throughout the the Bears' season is that Eddie Jackson is someone who makes a flashy play, but he doesn't stick his nose in there and helps with the run game. Uh, Someone I wanted to ask you about, because we've talked for 10 minutes about the NFL draft Connor, and we're, we're looking at this draft and you usually it's led with the quarterback position, but this year the quarterbacks seem to not have the grades that would get the prime time attention, except for a few. So if we go to the very top Malik Willis from Liberty. The quarterback uh, is number one on many draft boards. How do you see the projection for Willis heading into the draft? And if you had to compare him to previous years, where would he kind of stack, stack up in rank?
1: Right. It's, it's not a great year for this group. And, and that's because, you know, a lot of them just need time. So when you look at it with Malik Willis, he's not going to make it past the Steelers at 20, I think. But I think when we were kind of, you know, starting to tiptoe in that world that he can go number two to the Lions, that seemed a little rich for me. That just really shocked me. Um, I, I honestly, between, you know, honestly, guys, with, with everything we've seen since the combine, I'm pretty convinced the Panthers are going to take a quarterback, but I lean that it'll be Kenny Pickett because they just know time is not on their side and Pickett is a high-floor player uh, or more of a high-floor player that can come in and, and start right away. While well, Malik needs time, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's got a big arm. He's got mobility. Uh, he just, you know, overall, coming out of Liberty, that internal clock, it's going to be the same for a lot of these guys. It's, it's going to have to speed up. You're going to have to throw with anticipation. You're going to have to make better decisions. So I think for Malik, well, and Kenny Pickett's going to go through that too. But I think when you look at it with Malik Willis, uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. We're going to have at least two quarterbacks taken in the first round. It wouldn't shock me if three are, but it does not stack up to you know last year where you're looking at it with Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. It's it's not Joe Burrow. Um, it's obviously you know not a Herbert. Um, you know, honestly, grading them as prospects, and I know so much of Tua's problems have been physically, uh, physical limitations. A lot of it due to injuries. But I don't grade anyone out on the way I had Tua coming out either. It's just not that kind of quarterback class. There's the accuracy's not there. Um, you know, and at least with Malik, there's high upside traits. Like I said, the big arm, the mobility, uh, the thick body to take hits. Um, but it's it's just going to take some time, and that's why teams. You know, these guys always go early, but a lot of evaluators are are kind of waving that caution flag, saying this is not the year to really take your guy and stand on the table with your job on the line unless you have to. And the Panthers are really that one team that has to.
2: The one thing we can say that Ryan Pace did well was trade up for Justin Fields last year, so we're not asking. like We didn't (laughs) lead with the quarterbacks with you, thankfully, here in Chicago. But if there is a third one, to go in the first round? Do you think it's going to be Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral? Because Corral just kind of fell off a cliff this year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, for for me, I would, I would think it's Corral off of just what I see on tape, but what I hear is that it'll be Ritter. So, And, and you know, I get both sides of it, right? Ritter is a size-speed guy. He's got enough size. He, he tested really well. He does not play to that speed. He does not use his legs like that. Um, the accuracy comes and goes way too much. When he gets throwing in rhythm, he does look comfortable to run an offense, but a four-year starter that just never got that much better, that's a red flag to me. Now, when you look at Corral, this, the concerns, he can make the big play. Uh, I do like his intermediate arm better, but his body type traditionally is an issue at the league, and even more you know, concerning than that is the fact that his decision-making can be a disaster at times. I, I think I recently called him if, if wild thing from major league played quarterback, that's what he reminds me of, he's just, he's just out there. And he wants every throw on the field. And I respect that, but man, if that didn't always work at all miss, what do you think that's going to be like at the NFL level? So he's another guy that really needs seasoning really needs to, you know, kind of just take that dial and notch your two back and, and play in structure and calm down a little bit. And if he can do that, he has starter potential and teams always take starter potential at the end of first round to get that fifth-year option.
0: I know you said that Kenny Pickett has the higher uh, floor of maybe the two between Willis and Pickett. When you look at Pickett and you break down his film, what do you see? Is there anyone from the past that reminds you of uh, Kenny Pickett?
1: I think his, his spectrum, right, his ultimate best outcome is Derek Carr, and I, they have the similar play style on their best plays, right? He has enough mobility that he can get out of the pocket and throw on the run, he can throw a little bit off structure. He could paper cut you. He likes to paper cut you. Drop back, hit eight yards. Drop back, hit ten yards. Uh, he has a very good feel of the offense. He's been in college a long time, and it's good to see. You know, it's kind of the counter argument for me with Pickett than for Ritter, where I look at Ritter and I go, man, you know what? How much did you grasp that offense and really just hit full throttle at some point? And Pickett, to his credit, for his flaws, hit full throttle this year and played at an extremely high level and had a breakout season. He has enough arm, and he's somebody that I think, once again, if, if you can you know, get him up to speed at the NFL level and dial into that consistency, if you have a Derek Carr quarterback from this quarterback class, that's, that's a really good thing.
2: See, and that's why I'm kind of with you with Detroit and saying that, hey, don't take a quarterback. Like, don't take Malik Willis that high. Just be bad this year yep. and look at C.J. Stroud, look at Bryce Young next year. So with them at two, and really for the top two picks, for Jacksonville and Detroit, for that number one pick, are you going Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker?
1: I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, and I think that's the right choice if you're picking between those two. Now, man, it's, it's so perplexing when you get to this point of the draft and everything that makes sense for a number one pick, Trayvon Walker goes against that. Besides the size and athleticism, that's all good and fun but you don't draft guys number one overall that have never had a true breakout season at the college level. It's just not traditionally how you use top five selections, and we're talking about Trayvon Walker as the number one pick. So I think when you look at it, if they if they do take Trayvon Walker, the Lions will sprint that card in to take Aiden Hutchinson. They've loved him since October, but I think when all is said and done, Jacksonville is going to kind of collect themselves, take Aiden Hutchinson number one, and then Trayvon Walker watch will probably only go on for – Another pick or two. He's going to be a top three selection.
0: If we had this conversation this time last year, looking ahead one year into the future, I I think the consensus was Kayvon Thibodeau was the best player in this class. Uh, What do you make of uh, what you saw from Thibodeau uh, at Oregon in the past year and then also throughout this draft
1: process? Oh, man, it's something else. I mean, he's still my number two overall player, only behind Iki Aquanu. So you're talking to somebody that finds it a little difficult to buy in that all of these pass rushers or defenders are going ahead of him, are better players than him. And, he's, you know, he's still that guy on tape. When you watch him, I, I think he plays with really good effort. I, I don't understand the effort concerns. And I even went back again this morning, guys, and watched all of his sacks, hits, and pressures from the last three years just to go – okay, like, what's the concern with he's constantly winning with speed to power? And I do understand he wins with speed to power, but he also wins with a nice rip and dip move because he's so explosive on the outside. So I think we reached a point with Kayvon where, honestly, his early stardom, he was a superstar recruit. He was a freshman you know, sensation in a way at that school. And because he didn't become Chase Young or Miles Garrett by year number three, and then he said, you know, things like, ah, oh, I'd rather, you know, work, be a part of the biggest brand, Nike, at Oregon than win national championships. It, it all kind of culminated together that some people kind of picked holes at him. And it doesn't help that Aiden Hutchinson was on the Heisman podium this year as well. So it, it's all come full circle. Thibodeau's going to be a top-five pick. He's not going to make it past the Jets at four. I'd be very surprised if he did. Uh, but it, he just never blossomed into an elite kind of prospect, once again, like a Chase Young that goes number one overall, but I think he's going to tap into that at the next level. I think he's going to be a double-digit sack, uh, a pass rusher in the NFL level. Just give it two years. He needs some refinement, but he's got so many raw tools, and he plays really hard to, to unlock that.
2: Safety's not usually that high on people's draft board, but how high do you have uh, Notre Dame's Kyle Hamilton on yours?
1: Yeah, I have him as the eighth overall player in this draft, which some people would consider a little low. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a unicorn. I think he's really nice sideline to sideline range. He's, he's obviously a, a great person. Everything that, you know, that program endured when Brian Kelly left. He was a vocal leader. Uh, he's got excellent length. He's very, very patient and smart and, and explosive in zone coverage. He can play single high. He can play two high. You can have him come down in the box and play linebacker. Now, if you want him to be a bit of an eraser and expect him to play man coverage in the slot as a big nickel, I think he's a little stiff in the hips to kind of turn and run in that kind of coverage. And that's why I get away from the, you know, him being this, this unicorn defensive piece that can play any kind of position. He's a really nice player. He's not going to make it past the Texans at 13. He probably doesn't make it past Washington at 11. But the days of Kyle Hamilton going in the top seven, I just don't see it.
0: You know, we we talked a lot about the depth at wide receiver in the later rounds, but at the top of the board, you have two wide receivers from Ohio State, which Bears fans kind of kept their eyes on because they had the pipe dream that maybe Justin Fields could connect with one of his former teammates uh, this season. That's not going to happen. But then also you have Drake London from USC. Out of the three wide receivers, tell us about the top of the draft board when it comes to that position and how loaded and how good these guys are going to be.
1: It's a good group this year. I start with Garrett Wilson. He's really this blend of Calvin Ridley meets C.D. Lamb to me, where he's so polished before uh, before the catch, and he's really impressive and slippery after it. And, and I like the uh, the edge he plays with at the catch point. He kind of plays like a six-foot-three wide receiver. So Garrett Wilson's going to go really early. He's going to go in the top ten picks. Um, the league is very high on him. The league might even be higher on him than you're seeing with the national consensus. And, and then you have his teammate Chris Olave, who – if he declared last year, probably would have snuck into the first round or would have been a top 40 pick. He did not. His stock didn't really move a whole lot. He did avoid a, a pretty historic wide receiver class last year, but he's in the middle of a good one this year. So he's somebody that, he's, you know, the Chargers are going to look at him. The Saints with those two first-rounders are going to look at him. So he's probably going in the top 20 picks. New England traditionally doesn't take wide receivers in the first round, but he's their kind of guy as well. Uh, And then I don't think he'd make it by Green Bay at 22. So he has a really, really nice floor in this draft. And then Drake London is somebody that, honestly, I think can go in the top 10. I know the Falcons and the Jets have been all over him. I know Washington's been all over him as well. He just offers a skill set that is very hard to scout in a sense of constantly winning over defensive backs, winning the football, playing a physical brand of football, kind of like I talked about with Izu Kanma earlier. Um, But he's somebody that it will translate at the next level because he's so good at high-pointing the ball, he understands how to create enough space to be advantageous at the catch point, And he blocks. He plays really hard. He's got an AAU basketball background. So I think now that he's fully you know, diving in on a football weight program, not just a college and pre-draft training, but at an NFL level, you're going to see him unlock a different level of wide receiver that he can be. And that's why he's going to be a top 15 pick. I would even say I feel pretty comfortable he's going to go in the top 10 as well.
2: And this is going to be the norm, right, for wide receiver classes in the future. Now that you've got, I know it's been a few years. Alabama has embraced the speed at at, at the offense. At offense, they're no longer trying to just line up and run it down your throat. Ohio State hasn't been playing Big Ten football for a few years now. Now that the big guys are playing this fast type of football, we're going and this spread offense, and it's translating to the NFL and all that kind of stuff. We're going to see this wide receiver depth is just going to be like we're not going to have to say, oh, this year's a deep class. It's just going to be every year now.
1: Yeah, and the infrastructure is in place, guys, with seven on seven taking over sports at a really young age that all these kids want to go play wide receiver. They're getting an unbelievable amount of reps at wide receiver and one on ones against cornerbacks. And, um, you know, obviously it's a position that comes with a a lot of a big spotlight, a lot of stardom. and, And you're seeing a lot of the top talent gravitate towards playing that position because of that. And when that carries over, when they get to the college level that they have so much experience, uh, playing the football in the air that they get the right coaching on how to run routes, especially at a program like you said of Ohio State. You look at a lobby and Garrett Wilson, two of the best route runners I've evaluated in a couple of years coming into the draft, that they're just so ready to go um, that it only accelerates their development. Where nobody drafts a wide receiver in the first round anymore and says, okay, we'll see you in your two or three to hopefully have a 1,000 yards. These guys come in, and they're the talk of town in the fantasy community and training camps, wherever they go. So... And it's not just round one guys, two, three, four, every single year. So I think it's the infrastructure in place at the youth level to the college level. And the NFL is the one getting rich off of it.
0: Connor, we, we were joking at the start of this about all the holes with the Chicago bears, but your team, the New York jets, they may give the bears a, a run for their money. Uh, where, <laughs> what are true. the jets doing? Uh, You're two of uh, new faces with a new quarterback. Uh, what are they looking for? And then they're your favorite team, right?
1: Uh, staying busy, yeah. I mean, I grew up in New York uh, in a household that had Jets season tickets, so that's why I, I cover the draft for a living now. Thank you, New York Jets, uh, for being bad. If you gave me a full-time job, it's great. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, very busy off-season. You know, like I said earlier, I think they're looking pass rusher at four, a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe Jermaine Johnson, unless Nicky Aquanum fell there. And then at 10, it's going to be probably wide receiver. And then it gets real interesting at 35 and 38, two picks that they've tried to trade for – Tyreek Hill before and they're basically tapped in on any wide receiver that wants to get paid a monster deal and wants to be moved they're keeping their eyes on up until the draft so uh, it's a big turning point and you know at some point guys for all the the hype and good things Joe Douglas has done you got to win football games and this team traditionally or recent history has not won many football games so and that's going to be put on Zach Wilson's shoulders a lot he knows that but it's also going to be put on the GM's shoulders that picks these players and puts out this roster that just has not been very good recently. So, a massive draft when you have four picks in the top forty, they are one of the uh, controllers of the draft. It's them, the Giants. And the Eagles traded that third first round pick. Otherwise, they'd be in that conversation as well. Sure. It's a very New York heavy draft early in this one, and they need all the help they can get.
0: See what uh, these teams do to us. I've been a lifelong Bears season ticket holder as well. You're a Jets season ticket holder. They they beat it down, in, a, and we have to only cover the draft and be excited <laughs> for the future. We can never enjoy the team in the moment. See what happens, Connor?
1: Oh my God! By October every year, I feel like I'm uh, I, I'm getting asked, I'm getting sent mock draft simulators in my right, mentions by Jets right. fans. It's they're, they're one in five or whatever it is, and they're like, "Hey, what do you think of this draft?" And I'm like, "This is uh, this is the norm at this point." So yeah, it's you know, like I said, I'm lucky I get to do it for a living full time. But my goodness, at some point, you think that trend would be kicked a little bit.
0: Connor, if someone wants to consume your draft coverage on draft night, where they where can they find you?
1: Yeah, we're going to be live on Bleacher Report, uh, Bleacher Report app, and Bleacher Report YouTube all three days. So we're really excited covering, you know, every round, uh, grading the picks live. We have a pretty big staff that's on board for it. I'll be on the desk, doing every single pick. So I, I really can't wait. It's it's a couple of years now I've done this. It's um, it's awesome, and and I can't wait to do it again this year. So anything Bleacher Report related, you'll be able to find us.
0: You're the best, Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. Follow him on Twitter, Connor J Rogers. Thanks again, Connor. We appreciate it.
1: Anytime, guys. No problem.